Hey, hey, you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. This is John Goldman, and you're listening to us on Radio Harbor Country, 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks. It's WRHC and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. We're broadcasting from the uh, beautiful studios in Sawyer, Michigan. Uh, have with me today members of the Resurrection Blues Band based out of the uh, Harbor Country area. Very much looking forward to talking with them. Stay tuned. All right. I have with me the Resurrection Blues Band. We have uh, uh, Scott Ovens, uh, Rodney Mills, and Mike Balmus. And uh, Rodney, you're the guitar player, lead singer. Um, Scott, what? Uh, Drums. Drummer. Okay. Uh, get a little closer to that mic if Drums. you could. All right. Better. Yep. And uh, and Mike, you are the bass player. Bass. Yep. That's all that's left. All right. <laughs> that's right. And you're a three piece band, right? A, a yep. power trio, as yeah. they as yep. they say, Cream and uh, you know uh, Jimi Hendrix Experience, all power trios. Did you guys do that on purpose? You decided you wanted to. Just have three of you in the band, or Origin- originally no, uh, <laughs> I was going to be. I was not a singer when we started. And you're Rodney. Yeah, I, had, right. I had to teach myself how to sing for this band. Yeah, we tried out singers, and and they wanted to do everything but play the blues. Oh, all they right. didn't well, want, didn't want to sing the blues, and so I got fed up with it. I'm like, all right, I'm doing it. That's not going to work for a blues band. You got to have someone who's no. going to sing the blues. Exactly. <laughs> uh, when did you guys get your band together? Uh, well, it was the Holyfield. Well, it was Mary Merryweather and the Merryweather Holyfield no, fight. No, the uh, <laughs> kickboxer guy McGregor. Oh, uh-huh. and <laughs> I just left another band, and Scott and I were there, and we were like, "Well, let's start a band." And I, I just moved back from Louisiana in 2014, 15, joined another band, and left that band, and Scott hadn't played in years, and let's let's, let's do something. Sounds good. Are, uh, so, Rodney, are you originally from this area? Yes. I see. And did you, so you played in bands before you went to Louisiana? Oh, yeah, yeah. I quit for 19 years and then uh, came back and started playing again. Yeah. Were, were you playing when you were in Louisiana? No. Not much, no. Okay. Uh, well, so you're a guitar player, obviously. Had you ever played any other instruments? Trumpet, when I was in high school. Yeah, uh, yeah. A little piano, but not much. Okay, sounds good. And, uh, uh, you know, what kind of music did you guys have growing up in your house? I mean, this is the kind of thing where a lot of this is influenced by, you know, what you heard growing up. And uh, either you reject it or you or you enjoy it. And, you know, for like, I have, uh, I can think of stuff like my parents had, you know, a little bit of a teeny vinyl collection. And, and I think of the, the albums that they had then. And uh, how that kind of, you know, some of them might be like, oh, man, Mamas and the Papas, that's just, you know, it's like just a little too sappy and gravitated away from that. But, you know, then they had the Woodstock album. I was like, well, that's pretty cool. You know, here's all these great musicians there. So did you have similar kind of experiences when you were growing up, you know, where you had music around the house and uh, played a part in the kind of things you like to listen to now? Yeah, um, when I grew up, my dad was into big bands and jazz. And you're Mike. So I'm Mike, yeah. the bass player. So, yes. Um, yeah, he was into big bands and jazz. My mom was into rock and roll. 
So he would leave, and my mom would put WLS on. <laughs> and that's what I listened to all day long was WLS. And that uh, was all through the late 50s and early 60s. Oh, yeah. So was that the uh, WLS AM? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, WLS AM. And I heard lots of bands that I thought were way bigger than what they were because WLS played a lot of local bands uh-huh. at the time. So, um, you know, I heard all kinds of stuff like that. I, you know, like Buckingham's and Every Mother's Son and stuff like that that nobody right. even think about anymore. Yeah, yeah, but they were prominent because that's what you got to hear. That's what I heard yeah. all the time. Either that or big bands and jazz stuff. So. Well, and it was so different, too, you know, uh, yeah. with... Now, any song you'd want to hear, if it's on Spotify or Amazon or something, it's just instantly available. Yep. Where you know we had to listen, we had to wait to listen to the song we wanted to hear. Absolutely. And you know, it kind of created more of a, uh, you know, there was there was more value to that song because it was such a rarity. Um, so. Oh yeah, you were happy when it came on, or you would just wait for that one song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you'd wade through all the other garbage. Right, right. And if they announced like, "Hey, we're gonna play," you know, "Stairway to Heaven" in in five minutes, you'd like hang around and wait for them <laughs> to play it. And yep. And uh, I used to take my tape deck, my little portable tape deck, and stick it upside down on the uh, so that the mic from the tape deck was like on the you know the the. Uh, uh, clock radio, and then I could have a recording of it, and then I could listen to it anytime I wanted. Absolutely, but that was uh, tech back then. Yeah, that's right. That was that was new technology yeah. to be able to record it like that. Um, so, what about what about you? The same things. Uh, yeah, my dad was jazz, blues, and in big band, swing, New Orleans style type of uh, Dixieland, and then my mom was country. But, of course, they had the 99 cent or whatever, the Penny Record Club. Oh, right, and she, right. And Columbia she, Record Club. And she never sent nothing back. So <laughs> I had Jethro Tull and uh, the Beatles' first album, uh, stuff like that, that right. she just never, they were brand new when we were kids. We were like, oh, what's this? There's an old dirty guy in the front cover. It's got to be good. Yeah. <laughs> good one, yeah. yeah. Uh, and what about you? Oh, I recall WLS for sure. Um, of course, at home... You know, a lot of Elvis. Yeah. Uh, oh, Johnny right. Cash. I uh-huh. love Johnny, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And, yeah, I mean, that was an influence, but, yeah. WLS. Yeah. Yeah, that was the go-to. That was the go-to. <laughs> right. Well, there weren't too many other choices No, either, there really right wasn't. Then. Yeah. And uh, so, Scott, you, as the drummer, um, did you... Uh, when did you start playing drums? Was this when you were growing up? or? Yeah, I started playing, I believe I was in the fourth or fifth grade and picked it up there. It just interested me and never quit. So. Did you have a drum set or you know, uh, band yeah, on pots yeah. and pans? Yeah, I did that too. But, you know, <laughs> parents got me a drum kit, you know, very young and not the best, but it was it was a kit. You know, I was like, wow, this is cool. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> of course, I'm sure I drove them crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Did but, you, uh, and, and uh, Mike, did you uh, learn how to play bass, or, you know, had you started out with a different instrument? Um, when I was in, I was like 65, I guess, uh, the kids, a couple of kids in my class, their parents went out and they bought them guitars, electric guitars, and one of them got a bass, and I'd go over to their house and hang out, and we'd try to figure out how to play, and nobody wanted to play the bass. <laughs> so I took it, you know, four fingers, four notes. How hard can it be? Right, right. So um, that, and I've been doing that ever since. Yeah. So and I got my own probably about sixty eight. I got my own some piece of junk that 
didn't hardly cost anything, but you learn how to play on it because the strings don't fit and it makes your hands stronger. <laughs> right, right. So uh, how old were you at that point? Uh, 68. I was in eighth grade, so. Okay, so old enough to maybe go to a show here and there yeah. and uh, experience the, yeah. uh, you know, the the whole uh, hippie oh, thing yeah. going on oh, at yeah. that time? I, I lived right outside of Chicago at the time, so... Uh-huh. Um, and I remember there being, uh, actually, they used to have bands at one of the parks in Crystal Lake where I was at, and I got to see them a few times, you know. But mostly it was just us in the, you know, sitting in the bedroom or in the garage playing records and learning how to play them. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of a first band for you, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys ever play out anywhere, or you just kind of messed around? Yeah, and we tried just, to... just irritated our parents. <laughs> So when was the first time uh, each of you, you know, had some kind of a band experience? Uh, see, probably by I, once I went in the service, I, I went to the Air Force. Uh huh. You were part of a band at that so, point. Yeah, and started playing out. So I yeah. went, went to the Air Force in '72. Was it a blues band at that time? It, it was rock. Actually, there, I, I was in a blues band. Um, yeah, and I was in a rock band, and we kind of started playing out again. You're in the barracks, and you're hanging out, and you're drinking beer, and sure, you know, uh, start playing, and then before too long, somebody says, "Hey, we got a party. We want to play," and that's kind of how it started. Right, nothing right. real fancy. And Rodney, you were talking before about how you had been in a band uh, in this area, in the Harbor Country area, and then moved down to Louisiana, and kind of took a little break and. Then when you came back, you got back into it. Yeah, <clears throat> I had you know high school bands, uh, playing parties with you know high school friends, thirteen, fourteen years old, playing guitar at that time. Playing guitar. Were you playing blues music or just no, kind of? No, it was, it was rock. Yeah, you know, uh-huh. rock covers and hard, that kind yeah, of thing. Hard, Motley Crue, Poison, oh, Guns yeah. N' Roses, all that at the time. And then uh, I met some guys in Barron Springs and heard about the White House. So what, so what's the White House? The White House was a rock band in Niles at the time. Ah, okay. And uh, we rode our bicycles from Marion Springs to the to the White House at 15, threw them in the side of the building, and went in. Wow. And that was it. I was playing the White House at 15. And from 15 to 25, I played all this area, Chicago, uh, Wisconsin, cover bands. I was in a cover band, played across the country in a cover band, and then had my own band through the early 90s. Playing all original. So, uh, original blues or original no, it was, rock? It, or? Was, it would be hard rock. Oh, okay. Um, wh- what was the name of that band? Uh, Brother Orchid. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and uh, you guys did a little touring, at least local, uh, regionally? Yeah, Chicago a lot. And uh, here, Chicago, Wisconsin. Did you guys band. record any albums? We did a, did a cassette, a th- an EP, and that's as we got with that yeah and uh how long were you guys doing that about four years and grunge was coming out record companies come see us and and they started into the grunge thing and then they, the the guys would say well can you write some music like this band out of seattle called Soundgarden?" and we're like no <laughs> that's not, <laughs> that's not what we do it's like oh, we never heard of them we didn't and and uh, nirvana i'm like that's not us yeah and uh 
the music was kind of ahead of its time. It came that kind of music came out around a little later. What we wrote, but record companies quit coming, and uh, I got married, and that was the end of it. So that's when I quit. <laughs> yeah, so that's when you took this hiatus. Yeah. It's uh, almost yeah. nineteen twenty year hiatus. Yeah. Uh, I got gotcha. you. Uh, and so, uh, when did you, uh, and then you formed this band, what, about five years ago yeah, or so? It would have been January 2018. So I think the fight was 2017, August. We talked about it. We got, got ideas and I don't think we started playing until January. That sounds about right. And, and that's when you started, you know, kind of practicing together, playing yeah. together, not necessarily playing anywhere, playing out or anything. But nope. that's just kind of when you started. Yeah, yeah we were trying singer, trying singers out and trying to figure out what we were going to do. We weren't a blues band. We, oh, you weren't we were, a blues we were band. We were kind of, but not really. Uh -huh. We were doing. What do you know? What do you remember? Yeah. And what do you want to play? And and uh, it just went from there. Right. Well, so how did it evolve to uh, becoming a, a you know full fledged blues band? And you guys are the real deal. I mean, you. I, I well, saw you a couple you. weeks ago and. I gotta say, you know, like you, you play some great blues. You know, you, you got a real, uh, uh, you know, feeling for it. You're not, uh, you know, mixing in a little bit, a little bit of that. I mean, you're, you know, dedicating your your music to uh, to the old blues. Uh, so, so how did it get to that? I mean, how did you decide that? Okay, we're gonna focus on blues. I've always been a blues guy. And I guess uh, through my time off, you know, I still played, but I didn't play in a band. And it was Gary Moore and Stevie Ray and stuff like that. Oh, sure. And when I came back, I joined a band that they were a Chicago-style blues. And I just took it to the next level after that. Yeah. So um, did you guys ever get to Chicago and play there? I mean, there's so many great clubs in Chicago. It know? is so hard to get into Chicago. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. yeah. You kind of have to. Have, you got to have a manager. You they want you to have a CD. You got to know somebody. Uh -huh. You got to be somebody. Yeah. Because there are so many good bands in Chicago. You know, the there real are. the real guys are there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Buddy Guy's still around. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he's uh, going strong. And uh, then you know the, all the little blues clubs and stuff like Blue Chicago and um, that place on Clark. I think that is Blue Chicago. But they used to have something on uh, Halstead. They had a place and Rose's place Lounge and Reggie's. Rose's Lounge and yeah, yeah. Well, Reggie's is like you know kind of got a lot of things, but uh, yeah, they they get all kinds of great music at yeah. Reggie's. Kingston uh, Mines. Kingston and, Mines. That's it over on Lincoln. I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a certainly great places to see see guys, and uh, I I get it. You know, you got to have uh, you got to have a manager, and a, do you guys have a? Um, any songs on Spotify or an EP or anything like that? There's some stuff, videos people took that got put on YouTube, and we did a, a show at the Mendel Center a couple of years ago, and it's on. Is that right? It's on NP or PBS. Uh -huh. it's, like, it's on on there. You can see it, and it was cold. We were standing in goose poop, <laughs> and it was the middle of COVID, and everybody sat in their cars and honked their horns when after the songs. Oh, wow. Yeah, we, uh, we played for a parking lot full of cars. Yeah, oh, that's fun. Were you with uh, other bands as well? Was there... Uh, there were some other bands. I don't remember who played. Sankofa was one of the bands. And Oh, yeah, yeah. Sankofa. Uh-huh. And then a duo, which I don't remember their name. Cool. Uh, and uh, I know that you've got some stuff coming up. You're playing at the Acorn. Um, 
want to say April second. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, have you and I actually Rodney, I've seen you play um, at the open mic at the Acorn, but uh, have you guys played on that stage before? No, that'll be a fun one. Yep. Yeah, they've got a really well as you know they've got a nice sound system yep. there and. Uh, it's a nice sounding room. Yeah, really good sounding yeah. room. And the, I think that the audience really likes, you know, is there to hear the music. They're not there clinking their glasses and, and uh, you know, talking amongst themselves. They're, they're there for the music. Yeah, that's what's so intimidating about it. <laughs> they're, they're not there to drink or do anything else. They're there to hear music. <laughs> oh, there's drinking going on, but they're, they're not, yeah. you know, at cocktail tables right. chit-chatting and, you right. know. It's pretty intimate for... For a performer, oh because yeah, because that's where everybody's right there, just stacked around you, and that's what you're the focal point. Right, there's right. no way that you're not the focal point. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you guys are um, uh, opening for the early E R L Y. Yep. How did that come about? So, Nikki, who Nikki heads, Gaudier, yeah, yes. she uh, she reached out and said, "Hey, we got this spot." They actually wanted us to do an open mic. And we, at the time, our bass player at the time was just not working out. Uh, and uh-huh. uh, I'm like, I don't know what we, what we got going on. We couldn't do it. And then, thank God, Mike came along. Right. So, Mike, um, this is, you just recently joined Resurrection Blues Band, then, yep. it sounds yeah. like. Uh, had you been playing with a different blues band or somewhere else? I uh, had a blues band called BB Jam. Um that played around here for about four years, five years, and didn't hardly get any gigs. But we were together all the time. Um, and I just got out of another rock band, and then I had another... I've, I've always had two or three bands floating around at one uh-huh, time, yeah. hoping that somebody gets out and we can play. <laughs> right, right. So um, I've only been up here since 2009. I moved up here from Atlanta, and I was playing in Atlanta in a band that did really well right after I left, so... <laughs> that's maybe always the, the case. I, I just left will do really good now. I don't know. Maybe that's <laughs> that's the key. Well, do you guys want to play a song? Uh, yeah, we can try to try all to right, do one here. Rodney's, Rodney's got his guitar going. This, this, yeah, this is a song called "The Blame Game," and it's all about blaming everybody else for all your troubles. And and hopefully I won't mess it up, and I don't want to blame. Anybody but myself. <laughs> All right. So it's just going to be, I'll turn off everyone else's mic, I think, is uh, go. good. Ready? Find a bartender Or maybe just a good priest Had even taken an old dog But he won't listen to me And at the end of the day Lord, I got so much to say I play the blame game And at the end of the day Lord, I got so much to say I play the in my new car I'd even keep this old truck 
but it won't keep running for me. And at the end of the day, Lord, I got so much to say, I play the blame game. And at the end of the day, while I wash these blues away, I play the blame game. Late at night, the work is all done, try to wash them blues away. I look around at everything I've done. Lord, I got so much to see, yeah, blame it on the rain. I blame it on the sunshine. I blame it on them good times. Poor oh, heaven, too much fun. And at the end of the day, Lord, I got so much to say, I play the blame game. Thank you. Yeah. That was great. That's original RVB yeah. song, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So do you, uh, you have a bunch of songs you guys have written? And uh, who does the writing? You know, how does that all work? It's most well, uh, Scott's pointing at Rodney. <laughs> well, we've just, since Mike's been in the band, we, we've recently been it, collaborating, in, in which oh, that's no, fun. nobody that's been in a band has, has wanted to really do anything. It's, it's uh-huh. like, hey, you guys got any ideas? What do you want to do? It's like, me and Scott... I throw it out, Scott. We come up with them, and and, and bass players that were in the band before, they're like, oh, "I just want to play." Uh-huh. You know, yeah. no, no input, and and with Mike, we've been putting a lot of input in and really coming up with some good stuff. Oh, that's yeah. great. So, what would you say was uh, you know kind of your inspiration or your um, you know the kind of kind of music you're trying to emulate? I mean, is you know because there's all kinds of different blues. You know, there's the you know Robert Johnson early blues and uh, uh, you know, there's different varieties and stuff. I mean, where would, where do you guys think you fit into that? You know, I I always have to ask somebody else what they think because yeah. I don't I don't really base myself on anybody. I didn't do it with the rock bands. Is is like, well, what do you consider us? It's like I don't even know what to call ourselves. You know, is it blues? Is it progressive? Is it I Chicago? Know, it's, it's like, what is it? I don't know. It really is hard to to 
uh, genre, you know, determine the genre or categorize this kind of stuff. So, you know, it's always better just to be doing your own thing. Uh, I just, you know, I was always um, really impressed with just this, you know, the transition of how how blues kind of got going. You know, you had these guys like Robert Johnson, and then you know, other guys saw him like, uh, um, you know, Sunhouse and mm-hmm. and. Uh, and then, of course, Muddy Waters and, and that whole, like, you know, late 50s, early 60s kind of. And then, and then you know, guys like the Rolling Stones and, and all these British guys, uh, Eric Clapton, learned about them and, and kind of picked up these old blues guys. And, and, and they really and saved them. They brought them, brought them back. They saved them, brought them back, you know, like uh, uh, how um, Johnny Winter, you know, um, mm-hmm. did some albums with... Uh, um, Muddy Waters and yeah, and John, kind of John, resurrected yeah, his John Lee career. Hooker. They John, Lee Hooker. John Lee Hooker. Yeah, he did some things uh, even a little bit more. Um, uh, he did some stuff with Canned Heat early on back in the '60s, and then um, and then he did some stuff with Big Head Todd the Monster, or or they did his uh, they did his Boom uh, Boom Boom. But I think he might have even appeared on mm-hmm. on their version of Boom Boom. But anyway, yeah, I mean it. You know, it's just all this reaching back and. And uh, giving you know these old blue blues guys uh, recognition, and it just um, you know it's just this uh, it, it just persists, and uh, and most of it, it, it can't be recorded. You know it, it shouldn't be recorded. You know blues is really like a spontaneous, and um, uh, you know needs to be created on the fly almost. Yeah, a lot of times it's got to be organic. Yeah, yeah, certainly yeah. organic. Yeah. So that's so cool that you guys have been, you know, writing your own songs and that kind of stuff. Well, that's that's the end game. You know? Yeah, I, I never liked playing other people's music, and the cover band things in the, in the eighties, I I hated it. <laughs> yeah, oh man, that's that's just poison. Eighties. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was too lazy. I didn't want to learn anybody else's music. Uh, like if I can play my own, I'll remember it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you uh, do you write music? Um, you know, are you able to read music and write it? And no, I that don't. Kind of thing? Not anymore. You know, when I play trumpet, I could read it and all that, but I can't sure. do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever pull out the trumpet and uh, play along? It doesn't sound good. It does. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> uh, how did you, um, you know, develop from being a trumpet player to uh, guitar? Well, I always wanted to play guitar. Kiss was the band that made uh, me yeah. want to play and every year mom i want to be a guitar player you know goldblatt's was at the plaza and they had a, a cheap les paul in there it looked like ace frilly's guitar and i'm like i want that guitar she said well if, if you learn how to play on an acoustic maybe next year we'll get you one i'm like no <laughs> i'm going to be in kiss someday so i want that guitar <laughs> <laughs> so that's how that went and i didn't get a guitar for for many years even after that even oh, after yeah. the insistence like, yeah I, I about six years old i wanted a guitar don't bother you with uh, an acoustic for you yeah. know you're not gonna be playing any folk tunes uh but then you finally got your guitar yep. and um did you take lessons i mean uh, you just kind of taught yourself i took lessons for two weeks and the teacher said i've showed you everything i can show you do you want to join my band no way that's <laughs> great how old are you then that's 13 or 14. Oh, that's that's pretty wild. <laughs> that's uh, you must have seen some real talent back then. That's awesome. Yeah, we didn't do much though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I uh, did, had almost the opposite experience. I I gave it some time, but I just never could get it going. You know, I uh, that's that's why I'm interested in like listening to music. I just never quite was able to to 
get the get it to sound more than just you know I could I could follow the the assignment and I could play the the notes when I'm supposed to play them, but it just never sounded right. You know, you got to have that that feeling behind it. Yeah, so, repetition helps. Yeah, yeah. And I, Making your mom mad all day long in front of the TV with a guitar helps too. You know, she was probably happy to not have that trumpet when you were trying to. Well, yeah. My daughter uh, took trumpet in uh, fifth grade, you know, like how everybody, well, at our school, like they all had to take trumpet or take take some kind of orchestral uh, instrument back when, you know, fifth or sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, uh, she, I thought she did pretty well, but early on, like there was definitely some, uh, some rough nights of uh, just a lot of noise instead of uh, music coming out of it. But I thought she was doing pretty good by the end, but... She didn't think so. She 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 did not continue, but uh, I can I know what you mean. You know, like you, you keep playing and playing, and that's how you get better. But uh, not everyone wants to be listening to those those attempts. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, so uh, Scott, you um, uh, what when you guys are writing music. Uh, you know what? What is your role in it? How, how do you uh, contribute to that? Well, I listen to what Roddy comes up with, and then I just throw a beat to it. You know, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, we change it. You yeah. Know? Now yeah. with Mike being involved, I mean that helps a lot because there's a lot more more input from him. You know, how should this go? Oh let's, yeah. Let's try it like this, or let's try it like that. You know. So Rodney, you pro- you write the lyrics, or do you guys all kind of write the lyrics together? Usually, I have everything. It, and uh-huh. I, I don't try to rush any songs. They just come to me. It's like It'll come to me all at once, or else take three years to write it. If I get blocked, I put it away and, and, and don't push it. Just walk away from it until I think of something again. Yeah. Uh, that, that's um, I, I've heard that. It's like you're almost like channeling this, you know, coming from somewhere, and, and it's almost hard to identify it, and, and it just comes to you. Yeah. I was a semi-driver and that's where almost all of them came, driving down the road, just for some reason, driving down the road, staring out the window, and you got no way to write it down. So as soon as I could pull over, I'm trying to write down whatever I had, and there was lots of songs that were gone. By the time I pulled over, I'm like, I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, are you talking about lyrics primarily, or yeah, do lyrics. you also come up with the melody? when Every, you, Yeah, everything. It all just comes together. Well, sometimes the melody's not there. It's usually the lyrics, but it's a general idea. Yeah. Well, do you think it had anything to do with, you know, while you're driving, there's sort of this, you know, back beat happening, like, you know, going on a road, it's like, oh, yeah. boom, 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 boom. Well, a that, lot of it is your right brain isn't thinking about driving. Uh-huh. Your left brain, you're driving. And, yeah. And you got this whole half of your brain that just can fly around and come up with ideas. And that was the same thing, my experience when I played on the road for years and driving the bus. Uh. Lyrics would just kind of happen or a hook would happen in your head. And it's like, you know, I hum it out to the guitar player or something to try to get somebody to remember it. Wow. Uh, same thing. And I'm sure you've probably dreamt songs, woke up with a tune in your head to the uh-huh. point where... I used to keep a, a notebook next to the bed. So if I came up with something I thought was a lyric, I'd write it down because if I didn't write it down, it'd be gone in five seconds. You know, same thing with a, a, a hook or a tune or something. I, you'd have to hum it out or something. Otherwise, it goes away. It's real ethereal. It's like there and then it's not. And you, 
cram your brain and you can't get it back. So, so then when that kind of stuff happens, you know, what does it take to memorialize it? You know, do you have to write something down? I mean, and what are you writing down? The words and how do you reflect the, uh, the, 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 the musical part of it? Uh, when Punctuation is everything. Uh huh. Because I've written things down and come back and read it, I'm like, I have no idea what this means. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, as an example of that, I mean, so it's um, uh, you're, you're remembering or you're hearing the uh, the the words in your head. And got to get those downs, but but I mean, like, what about the the song part of it? You know, how do you how do you reflect that? You, you punch out um, uh, guitar tabs or uh, the musical part of it, or do you have to like record it on a phone or something like that? Well, being guitar is my instrument, it's I kind of have something there, but not being a singer and a guitar player the entire time I've been doing it. When I went to go put the guitar that I thought would go with the words to it, it doesn't go. Because uh, I can't sing it and play it at the same time. Oh, it's like gotcha. I'm, I'm getting much better at it. My wife used to come see us in the early band and just say, you guys suck. <laughs> You're horrible. <laughs> That's encouraging. <laughs> yeah. What she pretty much say was me is like, you need to find a singer because you're not very good at this. <laughs> well, you've got a real blues voice. I mean, you know. It, it, it took some working. Yeah. So, so when did you first start singing? Uh, I did karaoke and stuff. When in the other bands, I couldn't even sing backups and play guitar. Yeah, you know, it's like it was a process of uh, learning. And I found uh, you, you kind of I see I seen somewhere you read a book and play guitar, but don't read the book as you're playing guitar. So if you're playing syncopated guitar parts, don't read the boy jumped over the moon or the boy jumped, you know, with the chords, you got to completely separate your brain once yeah. again oh, and it, read it as much emotion as a book should be read and play the guitar part the way that's supposed to go. Yeah. It's like two different channels going yeah. on at the same and time. And it's hard to do. And you don't think it's working until you start later on. You're going, Oh, I can do this now. So when did it click? It was about two years. Ago. Yeah. <laughs> And, and before that, you, did you have someone else playing guitar with you guys, or no, you no. just were trying to trying to make it happen? I've heard I don't play well with, with other guitar players. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's only been a three-piece band. You never had like you singing no. and someone else playing guitar, so you, you had to figure that out pretty quickly, I would imagine. Well, in the beginning, and then we had this bright idea to get a, a, a organ player, uh huh, and then a trumpet player and a saxophone player, and a harmonica player, and they were this six-piece band playing, and everybody's drunk except me and Scott. <laughs> and nothing sounds good. Yeah. It's chaos. It was chaos. Yeah. It was, and I just, it's like, this has got to end, and we're going back to three people, because this, no, right. everybody's here for the party. Uh-huh. Well, I, you know, listen, it's fun. <laughs> You're in bars and stuff, and uh, there's a lot of drinking going on, but... I hear what you're saying. Yeah, you gotta you gotta tighten it up a little bit and get things more serious. Uh, so when you're, uh, you know, with the three of you, do you, um, you know, I mean, originally blues was a lot of kind of improvisation. I mean, there's a lot of space for, uh, you know, there's relatively simple um, progressions and steps and and uh, um, you know, it's so it would seem that it's it's sort of made to to branch out off of and uh, 
and get a little bit of improvisation going and stuff like that. Do you guys find you, you know, you get yourselves into jams and stuff like that and sure. and uh, spark it up and, and, you know, make things kind of uh, take on their, their own little life around the, you know, the base of the song? Yeah. See, nobody wants to practice. Well, some bands want to practice all day, but we don't want to practice. Right. We want to go into practice and say, this is a song. We'll go over it. Well, I do. I, I like. We'll go over it, and I'm like, "All right, now when we play it out, expect to put about three more minutes on it because this is just <laughs> this is just the basics. Yeah. It's never the same, and it's never the same when you play because you you feel off people. And that's that's how it should be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's the beauty of blues, and it's like right. you say, it's organic, and it yeah, kind of it has, to. it has its own life. And you get started, and one thing will inspire you, and all, and you get an idea for something that. You, hasn't popped into your head before and you're performing and you do it you know and if it sounds good you keep it and if it's bad you blame somebody else <laughs> <laughs> and if, you, if you make a mistake do it again and call it jazz jazz. well you know it's all kind of started you know jazz and and blues kind of both have that uh, where there's definitely that um soloing and improvisation and stuff like that do you guys do that where you know like they'll be like you know the drummer's turn to to take a turn and and uh, do a little solo and stuff like that. You you uh, have shows like that. Don't do a lot of not solos. so much. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to get them to do it. Yeah, I I enjoy it to being limited solos for everybody. You know, of course I'm playing solos in just about every song, but really we all are at a point. It's just sure. how much do you want to put into an, every song? But just to do, I found out. Unless you're at a concert or something, you know, and when you got a drum solo, bass solo, guitar solo, you lose the crowd. You know, yeah, people you, are like, come on. Really? I can't dance to that. I can see that, yeah. So is there a lot of dancing when you guys play? Is sure. that is that a primary um, thing that you look to, um, to you know, to, to develop as, as people are there? You know, you're playing songs that people are going to want to dance to? Yep. Uh, here's the song list and don't expect it to go like this because uh, yeah. if somebody's dancing we go to that song here let's do this one keep people dancing right right yeah I can see that uh, I guess it depends on where you are too because um, some places are a little bit more um, uh, dance friendly you know there's more of a, a space for dancing and other others it's uh, you know maybe there's too many tables around or there's not really any room for that sure so does that um does that dictate the kind of songs you might play in a particular night, like yeah. based on how people are responding to it? Yeah. So, yeah, you read the room and yeah. you read the audience and you see what they're doing. And, you know, you can tell if it's time to do something slow, then you do it. But that's that's part of the whole deal is just kind of reading the room and knowing what goes on. Right. Paying attention, I guess. I know a lot of players kind of when they play, they get in their own little bubble and that's where they're at. And they're not aware of what's going on around them. But blues again is one of those things that when you're playing it you can kind of go out and see how people are feeling yeah and makes it easy to read what's going on right right and that's an art in its own too is reading the room changing the songs for the correct songs for the people you're playing for right. not just going well these are our songs this is what we're playing this is what we do and here you go yeah right uh so you were saying before that um you don't really like to do a lot of covers that you like to play your own songs but you know blues are uh it, it it's almost all covers like traditional blues everyone was playing everyone else's music everyone was using licks from this and that it was like there was a limit on on 
the kind of blues songs that were out there, you know, um, like uh, Crossroad Blues. I mean, that, that, that was there were other names for it that other people did, but it was always very similar. It, it was often very similar to that original Crossroads Blues. Um, I think uh, like um, uh, the, what are they called Duck Something Blues, and that, that's uh, also Diving, diving, diving Duck, duck yeah, Blues, which is different, many different songs. Going, yeah. to, going to Louisiana, Diving Duck, and. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, River Edge or something like that. There was another song along those lines. But uh, it seems like, you know, there's plenty of space within any one of those traditional older blues songs to make it your own. Exactly. Do, do you guys do that kind of thing yeah. too? So, of course, we do a, a lot of cover songs. Yeah. But they're the way they're going to come out. We do it however it comes out. Like, which, how do you want to do it tonight? You want to play it slow? You want to play it fast? You want to change keys? You. If you make a mistake starting the wrong key, well, you just keep playing in that key. Like, For sure. <laughs> but if you're in a rock band, you do that. It's right away noticeably wrong to everybody in the crowd that you just played that song wrong. If they're going to listen to it sounding like yeah. the exact, you know, original version. Yeah. But uh, the, the blues is forgiving. You can do what you want. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I think in, when I saw you guys at uh, Pebblewood a couple weeks ago, I want to say it was a, a version of Killing Killing Floor. Killing or, Floor yeah. Oh, I love that song, by the way. That was, uh, so that was right Side, on. I seen Southside Denny a couple of years ago, and I didn't know it, but he said that nobody knows who wrote the song. Killing Floor? Yeah, well, um, didn't... Uh, he said everybody's done it, but nobody knows who actually wrote it. Yeah, there, there's a lot of good ones like that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I used to know who played that one. I, I'm not remembering offhand, but you're right. It had like some some real uh, mysterious uh, th- there's a lot of songs like that like um, you know even you ever watch the Blues Brothers movie mm-hmm. one of my favorites by the way and and there's that scene when they're on Maxwell Street and uh, John Lee Hooker and I think it was uh, Pine Top Perkins they got in an argument uh, about who wrote the song and you know they both wrote the song and stuff that was probably pretty typical you know sure. there was a lot of arguments and then you know they had guys like Willie Dixon who was like my song, you know. and he, uh, wrote, he wrote everything. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know if he actually wrote everything or he just got his name on everything. Mm, he, there was he, a, he wrote a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, uh, even the, some of the ones he wrote, you know, were kind of like developed by other people and became more popular when other people were playing it. It didn't even necessarily sound like it. Yeah. But uh, I think uh, Led Zeppelin got in trouble pretty oh, early yeah. on because they uh, um, they – they uh, admittedly were like, yeah, yeah, you're right. We took your song. Well, we're just going to, you know, we, now you're on the song. You know, well, They and, made him and, a lot of money. They made him a lot of money. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. That they was, had to uh, pay it years later, but they made him a lot of money right. when they fessed up. Yeah. And they were kind of, they didn't even hold back. They're like, you're right. You got us. That was your song. <laughs> and they, uh, yeah. And then he was, um, he's a co-writer on the song mm-hmm. or, or they just call it uh, Willie Dixon. I think it was Willie Dixon that. Uh, rock and roll, maybe. A uh, whole lot of love. Whole lot of love, and, maybe. Uh, yeah. I can't quit you, baby. And there's quite a few. A of them. couple. Of them. <laughs> and you know they didn't make it sound anything like the original, no. but uh, you know you could you could hear it in there. So, you know, there was actually another thing with uh, Led Zeppelin where, uh, more recently, I would say within the last five years, uh, a band uh, I don't remember their name. They accused uh, Led Zeppelin of stealing "Stairway to Heaven," yeah, and I've seen that. and they had a whole lawsuit about it. They had a trial on it, and uh, 
Um, the court found in favor of Led Zeppelin said, nope, this was an original song. But I got to tell you, when I first heard that there was this there was a suit going on, I listened to both songs kind of side by side. And I got to say, there was a lot of similarities. And, and, you know, there's a very distinctive melody within Stairway to Heaven, obviously. And it sounded a lot like this other song. But uh, I wasn't on the jury. So what are you going to do, you know? Well, uh, you, you find out there... This far in the game of music, there is no original music. That's right. Somebody has done what you've done before. Yeah. We just don't know about it. Or maybe you do. You know, yeah. maybe you heard a little a little something and it and it reminded you of this. But you're right. There's. It seems to me that there's uh, not that much original music anymore. That mm-hmm. Everything's a little bit of a little bit based on something else. Um, but uh, you know, then. Uh, and and even musical themes when it comes to writing songs, there's going to be a lot of overlap. I mean, there's a lot of love stories. There's a lot of uh, heartbreak and, and stuff like that. And, you know, those themes are pretty consistent within all kinds of music. So so you're going to ha- have similar stories behind the uh, uh, in the lyrics also, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you want to want to play another one? See, what can we do? Uh, let's see if I can get the words in my head. As, uh, they're not in my head thinking. You know, we're talking, and yeah, I'm not thinking yeah. about playing. Um, Oh Lord, 
Very nice. Is that another original yeah, one? Another original. Oh man, that's great. Uh, so I also um, was wondering, you know, how did that? How did you come up with that? You know, what what inspired that song? My wife, our life together. And, yeah. Uh, that's basically when it just came. It was there. Just write it down. The guitar parts, everything were almost all right there. Just fully developed. Yeah. Wow. And I mean the you know the different um, uh, verses and stuff too. Yeah. That's great. Just uh, it was it something you can't, you woke up from you know in the morning and came up or no, ri- I, driving down the road or I really don't remember how it came about. It's just one of them. I wrote it down and it and, and it hasn't changed much at all since. So I mean, it's like kind of like having an epiphany, but it's an entire song that just comes yeah. like <laughs> yeah. is born fully developed right there. Yeah, and and then I'll know the bass lines too. As like so, I'm telling like this is what I hear with the part I was playing and messing up, but. That's the bass line, which Mike would play. And as like I hear other things, as I can hear the where drums should be. I, it's kind of like I guess writing or an orchestra, yeah, orchestra stuff. Right, right. All the different parts. Yeah, that's great. That's uh, really amazing. Uh, have you thought much more about how that comes about? I mean, I've I've heard this many many times that this is how people that songs get written. And it's almost like, you know, it's being channeled into them. And, uh, you know, it just comes out like that. I have <clears throat> a couple that are, we don't play, and I didn't do anything with them. And they were just kind of, they were, you know, kind of religious songs, you know, like, well, we do one, and it's called The River, and it's, I call that my gospel song. But there's another one, it, it is pretty religious, and <laughs> we don't do it. And I have it in my head, but it's just, it's, it came. It's like somebody was telling me the words, write this down. It's like, wow. And I kept writing. It's like something was telling me everything to write down. That's amazing. I mean, I don't think, uh, I don't have that. You know, I don't have any, like, you know, channeling happening like that. But uh, bottling it up, you know, you got to come in through you. That's that's amazing. And sure, I got plenty of them that are like, oh, I got this great song. I go to play it. I'm like, oh, this is crap. 
<laughs> this ain't going to work. <laughs> well, you know, but then, then you develop it. Then you, you know, modify it or uh, work on it. I mean, and, and when you're, you know, so that song you just uh, uh, sang, um, was there any changes made to it after you, you know, kind of originally came up with it? Not Well, a word or two maybe in the bridge part, but not really, no. Wow. Well, that was that was great. How many of these uh, original songs do you have? Oh, probably to, ready to go. We will do the at the Acorn. Will be all original. So, how uh, long is your set there? About half hour. That'll be a forty-five hour? minute set. Yeah. And, and once we get them, because you know Mike's still new in the band, we haven't gone through a lot of them. Once we get them, we we could probably do two hours originals. Right. By right. By end of summer, we'll have them have them down. Right, and when you play at a place like Pebblewood, you probably have to come in with three sets worth of stuff, right? Well, we do two 75-minute sets. Uh-huh, oh, gotcha. You don't uh-huh. want to lose a crowd. You play as long yeah. as you can, and we ended up playing 90 minutes that night, the yeah. first set. And uh, the the least amount of breaks you can take is the better for the listening experience for the people. Right. It keeps the keeps them drinking, keeps the bar happy, and the bar pays you more. Yeah, if they're making money, you're making money. Yeah, yeah, and you know, if if a band takes too long of a break, sometimes you're like, well, yep. you know, maybe I'll just get going now. And, yep. um, Nobody likes to leave while the band is playing. Right. Oh, right. Well, they're, oh, they're going to play one more song. I'll just stay for that. Yeah. And then as soon as you play that last song, you see everybody pick up people, and you're not leaving because they don't want to see you. That's just that's the polite way to get out. Is yeah, you don't want to get out. And, walk in front of the band while they're finishing yeah. up and stuff. But then there's also the other side of it where, you know, I know that that third set is often going to be like the fun set. You know, people, you know, just gets a little bit deeper and, and uh, you know, everyone's a little bit more buzzed and it just becomes a little bit more fun that third set. Mm-hmm. But, you know, listen, if you've got a babysitter or something like that, <laughs> it makes it hard to stick around for that. But uh, anyway, yeah, so you guys got the, uh, the show at the Acorn with the uh, early, the opener. And then I was just looking on your um, Facebook page, and you um, have uh, uh, a couple other things coming up. Uh, looks like you got a busy day on uh, April 9th where uh, yeah. you are going to be yeah. playing uh, <laughs> well, uh, a little solo acoustic thing right, at Local yeah. Poor. That, that'll be fun. I, yeah. uh, right here in Sawyer. Yeah, right up the yeah, road, yeah. Yeah, and uh, then uh, at the Sandbar Saloon in Saugatuck later sure. that night. So the Saugatuck... Is a is a good blues bar. It's a dedicated blues bar. Oh and wow! He called me. He said, "Can you guys play?" And I didn't really think about that. I was doing the show earlier, <laughs> and then I'm like, "Yeah, we can do it." It's like I, these guys go up there and, and take the stuff up there, and I'll finish up here, and then I'll just get in the car, drive straight there. It's like I can't pass up the sandbar up there. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, uh, have you played up there before? Yeah, is we got accepted up there. Uh, there's a band, James Reeser, Dearborn, and the Backseat Drivers out of Saugatuck. They're on, uh, I think, Deckham Records. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I just started talking to them. I went to a blues jam and talked to them, and we just became friends. And we do one of their songs, and I asked them, I said, hey, I really like the song on your your album, Kicking You Out. And I, can we play? And he said, absolutely. So on a Sunday, I sent him a message well, we played the 4th, December 4th last year. And I, it might have been a week or two before. I said, hey, what's it take to get us in the sandbar? He said, well, you got to come to the open jam. you got to come meet Pete. He's got to like you. you got to do this. you got to do that. An hour later, he's, he said, we're opening up for Nick Moss that same night. 
so do you want my slot? I'm like, absolutely. Oh, wow. And That's we, great. Yeah, we played, and Pete, the manager, lives above. He listened to the whole thing. He came down, and he's like, I loved it. He's like, uh, you guys are coming back. Awesome. That, and this is the coming back? Yeah. Oh, yeah. so this all happened pretty recently. Yes. Oh, excellent. Uh, yeah, we, we need a real dedicated blues bar around sure. here. Right. I always yeah. thought that. There is a, you know, there's a... Um, uh, next to Siemens um, uh, Auto, right in Bridgman up here, there was this little house, uh, this little building, and there was a, um, a taqueria in there, like you know, 15 years ago or something like that, and and it closed down. I was like, wouldn't that be a cool place for a blues bar? Uh, but when know, I lived in Louisiana, there was a, a little roadhouse about as big as this right here, as a studio, and. Uh, it was just on the side of the highway, and it was Birdie's Roadhouse, and they had the best bands and the best Cajun cooking food, and it's exactly what it was. It was just a rundown house with no, no, no ceilings, just rafters and instruments and pictures hanging from the floor to the ceiling, and the best musicians ever came through there. It's like the original Sugar Shack kind of yeah, thing, you know, yeah. just uh, all and just the building probably shaking like from yep, the yep. from the noise of it you and you stomp on the ground the floor it was a wooden floor and a, and dust is flying it's <laughs> it was perfect it was a roadhouse yeah those are the that's a real fun kind of mm. scene for sure well it was really great having you guys here and uh, appreciate you coming in and appreciate you playing for us sure. and again um with the resurrection blues band and we have rodney mills and scott ovens and mike balmas Mike Baumas on uh, on bass and Scott on drums and of course Rodney on guitar and you guys are playing at the Acorn on April second opening for the early um, that'll be an unbelievable show and then then you got these things the following week up in Saugatuck and at the local poor sounds like a lot of good stuff coming up uh, how do you guys usually get your bookings or do your bookings I wake up at six in the morning with, with my wife well my wife let me actually do this for a living now wow so, so when i get up when she gets up in the morning she doesn't let me sleep in she kicks me and tells me to do my job so <laughs> i email almost every day uh board of directors of town you know the city councils i call oh, everybody huh. and send messages and, and it sometimes takes two years to get in a place and you just keep trying and trying and trying and trying until yeah. it happens well, there's a lot of great venues, and over, especially over the summer, you know, they've got all those outdoor things like uh, music in the park in uh, Three Oaks, and, and then they've got that band shell um, at the Chickaming Township Hall, uh, that park right there on, on Red Arrow, and, and then there's a couple festivals here and there. So uh, sounds like, you know, you got your, you got, you're going to be busy uh, sure. getting, getting ready for the summer. Yeah, this will be our fourth invite to the Barron County Youth Fair. We did it three times. This will be the third time. The third. Oh, wow. But that's a... During COVID, they shot, shut down. Yeah. And, and yeah. we would have been there. This would have been the fourth year, but now it's going to be the third. Excellent. So uh, is that a, a big stage and everything? It's an outdoor. They don't They don't only have main, uh, they national, have main national acts yeah. on, on the main stage. And then they have a mall stage by the food court and the bathrooms and Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's where we'll be. That's okay. where all the local bands will be there. Oh, cool. Well, i yeah. got to say, I haven't been there in a couple of years since my kids grew. Uh, but uh, I'm going to try to make it out there. That all sounds right. like it'll be a lot of fun. And, uh, again, thanks again, the Resurrection Blues Band. 
Uh, and you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash, and I'm John Goldman, and we're on WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Radio Harbor Country, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. And we're here in the new studios in, in Sawyer, Michigan. Nice place, and uh, can't wait to be here again. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you. Take thank it you. easy. And thank you, everybody. Good night.